Coming up next on Passion Struck. They all have this kind of different way of thinking. Thus, I call the asset mindset. That's my term I deemed. But they realize that they can be a great asset. They understand they are their own greatest asset. No one can help them more than they can help themselves. And they need to surround themselves in positive environments with positive people. And in doing so, it's like being on an ODA or an A-team where the good, strong people you surround yourself with help lift you up. Welcome to Passion Struck. Hi, I'm your host, John R. Miles. And on the show, we decipher the secrets, tips, and guidance of the world's most inspiring people and turn their wisdom into practical advice for you and those around you. Our mission is to help you unlock the power of intentionality so that you can become the best version of yourself. If you're new to the show, I offer advice and answer listener questions on Fridays. We have long form interviews the rest of the week with guests ranging from astronauts to authors, CEOs, creators, innovators, scientists, military leaders, visionaries, and athletes. Now, let's go out there and become Passion Struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 392 of Passion Struck, consistently ranked by Apple as the number one alternative health podcast. And thank you to all of you who come back weekly to listen and learn how to live better, be better, and impact the world. I am thrilled to share some exciting news with you that my new book, Passion Struck, is now available for pre order and it has been recognized as a must read by the esteemed Next Big Idea Club. To celebrate this milestone and show my appreciation for your incredible support, I've arranged special bonus gifts worth over $300 for everyone who pre-orders. You can place your order now at Amazon or visit passionstruck.com. This is my way of giving back to our inspiring community. And thank you for joining me on this journey. And I can't wait for you to dive into the book. Additionally, I have a special invitation for you. I'm excited to introduce our new Passion Struck Quiz. It's a unique opportunity for you to discover where you stand on the Passion Struck continuum. Are you an orchestrator, masterfully balancing various aspects of life with passion and purpose? Or are you a vanquisher, conquering challenges and turning obstacles into opportunities? Take the quiz on passionstruck.com and find out which one resonates more with your journey to living a Passion Struck life. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for being here, or you simply want to introduce this to a friend or a family member, and we so appreciate it when you do that. We have episode server packs now, which are collections of our fans' favorite episodes that we organize into convenient playlists that give any new listener a great way to get acclimated to everything we do here on the show. Either go to Spotify or passionstruck.com slash starter packs to get started. In case you missed it, earlier in the week, I interviewed Stephanie Walder-Taylor. Stephanie's journey is a powerful narrative of transformation from stand-up comedian to New York Times best-selling author and a deep dive into the complexities of motherhood and the deceptive comfort of alcohol. Her memoir, Drunkish, is not just a farewell to her dependence on alcohol, but an invitation to understand sobriety beyond the stigmatized stereotypical labels. Please check them all out. And I also wanted to say thank you so much for your ratings and reviews. And I can't believe that we're closing this year out with over 30,000 five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts alone. If you love today's episode or the other one I mentioned, we would appreciate you giving it a five-star review and sharing it with your friends and families. I know we and our guests love to see comments from our listeners, but more importantly, it brings more people into our community where we can give them hope, inspiration, and meaning. As I've mentioned, I am so excited to close out 2023 with this incredible interview of someone who is truly a representation of what it means to be passion-struck. My guest today is a true embodiment of passion and resilience, Daniel Fielding. From the intense discipline of a Special Forces Green Beret to the vigilant eye of a celebrity bodyguard, Daniel has faced challenges head-on, molding him into the man he is today. Devoted husband and father to three wonderful children, his journey has not only been about personal transformation, but also the protection and care of those he loves. But there's more to Daniel than just his profession. As an author, he has poured his life lessons into the asset mindset, a book which shines light on understanding oneself, evolving mindsets, and translating potential to tangible success. Whether it's shedding the weight of negative behaviors, fostering winning habits, or understanding the pivotal role of our surroundings and influences, his 12 insightful chapters guide readers in turning themselves into elite assets, individuals who not only face life's challenges, but triumph over them. Today, we deep dive into this philosophy, exploring how each one of us can harness the asset mindset to change our lives, fulfill our potential, and achieve our most audacious goals. So without further ado, let's welcome the incredible Daniel Fielding to the show. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck, for supporting us all throughout 2023, and for making and for choosing me to be your host and guide on your journey to creating an intentional life. Now, let that journey begin. I 
am so excited today to have Daniel Fielding on Passion Struck. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. It's great to be here. I absolutely love to have veterans on the show. And I understand your story is a bit unique because you actually enlisted in the Army after you had completed your college degree. Can you tell me about your story and what made you decide to pursue the Special Forces? Absolutely. So your podcast and your show is passion struck. Well, I got hit with some passion after 9-11. The attacks that happened really ignited a fire inside me. Like you said, I had already had my communications and business management degree. I had my real estate license. I was 27 years old. My father was a builder. We were planning on building houses, doing developments, buying and selling property. But 9-11 happened. And I sat back and watched the second tower get hit live. And I've always had a passion for serving because after I graduated college, I went to the Dominican Republic and I helped build an orphanage down there to give back. But getting, going back to 9-11, I just was wanting to support the troops and help fight terrorism. And I was watching people deploy and saying goodbye to their families. And I figured the best way to support the troops would be to be with them by their side and helping and pulling the weight along with them. And I started doing my research. I mentioned the uh, time I went to the Dominican Republic. That was similar line to what the Green Beret mission is, working with indigenous people or local nationals and living with them and trying to help make their lives better. So I gravitated to Army Special Forces Green Berets. And I walked in the recruiter's office and I literally told him, I want to be an 18 Charlie. This is what I want to do. And he looked at me as 18 Charlie because they don't know every little MOS. They know most of them or they'll look them up. He knew it was special forces. And he's, are you sure you want to do that? And you're a little older. And have you ever gotten in trouble with the law and different things? And I was like, nope, took the exams and tests. And I was able to qualify to go with a, what they called an 18 x-ray contract. So that's where my passion started for the military was, it was a catalyst of 9-11 and feeling patriotic and wanting to serve what I feel is the greatest country in the world for the freedoms we have and just wanted to help protect our country and people around the world against horrific things and terrorism. Okay, and I wanted to take a couple steps back because oftentimes people hear about all these different special forces, which I think during the war on terror became much more in the world's purview than they were previously. But a lot of groups such as Navy SEALs, Rangers perform more direct action type of missions. And what a Green Beret does is completely different. In fact, if I understand it correctly, people on the team need to have language capabilities and other things. And it's really about nation supporting or nation building. Absolutely. We work with counterparts from whatever country we go into. We have multiple special forces groups. Each group is responsible for an AO or area of operation in the world. I was with seventh group. We were responsible for Central and South America, but also Afghanistan when the global war on terror kicked off. There's other groups responsible for Europe, Africa, Asia. And in amongst those groups, people have different language skills and you have to learn a language and go to language school. Some people are more fluent than others. There are times where we've had to use interpreters. Obviously, seventh group was South America. We didn't learn Pashto. I did my best to learn Pashto when I was over there and I speak a tiny bit, but it's definitely different. You're absolutely right when you say DA or direct action missions, people get mission targets or target packets, and then the SEALs will go hit that target. Green Berets, we are working with local nationals. We are creating our own target packets. I used to meet and talk to leaders, governors, law enforcement, AMP or Afghan National Police, find out as much information as we could, and then we would build our own target packets through the information we would get and then go with the local nationals and do the missions. We also did direct action as well, but we do so much more through foreign internal defense and so many other missions. Okay, and the signia that you brought up or MOS, 
18 Charlie. Uh, the 18 series is very well known as being affiliated with the Green Berets. And it's, if I have it right, it's Bravo, Charlie, Delta, and Echo. And you were what is called a combat engineer. Can you discuss a little bit for the audience who might not be familiar what some of the responsibilities of that job are? Oh, absolutely. As an engineer, you're responsible for anything construction-wise, things that are going to be built or things that are going to be destroyed. So we're also the demolitions experts on the team. But it also includes things such as logistics. So to build things, you need supplies. So we're also in charge of all the supplies for the team and the different other MOSs that are there. So if the medic or the 18 Delta needs stuff, he would come to the Charlie and be like, hey, I need to order this and this. And we would handle that aspect too. So it's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of demolitions, which is fun and exciting to play with uh, uh, C4 explosives. Training days with that was always fun. And it brings out the little kid in you like, like fireworks and stuff. But obviously on missions downrange, it's much more serious. But being an 18 Charlie for me, coming from a background of construction or doing electricity, going to a vocational school, it just fit very well. And I love being able to provide those type of things. When I was in Afghanistan, I helped rebuild our base and fortifications and walls. And it's a great job to have. I loved it and don't regret a single second of it. And I know for me, my time in the military was some of the most formative to shaping who I have become today. How did your experiences as a Green Beret shape your perspective of life and how you wanted to spend it once you left the military? That's a great question. Wholeheartedly agree with you. The military has shaped me. I think I've been honed by the military. I always had a heart of service and wanting to help others. I did martial arts. I had motto, the Dragon Warrior Code. I talk about in my book that I am what I am because I choose to be. I had a lot of that. But joining the military and seeing other men that had that selfless service and willing to work so hard to push themselves, to not quit, to our motto, Deo Presser Liber, is to free the oppressed or free from liberation or to liberate from oppression. That right there to see people walking that path in life and the passion they had for service and protecting others, it's incredible. And it just made me want to do more. And how has it shaped me afterwards? I've lost some of amazing and great friends. I carry some of them with me on my arm still here in a memorial tattoo. They were just incredible. Give the shirt off your back. Happy, loving, giving, but tough as nails. You could give them any challenge and they just, okay, let's do this. And those men, I want to continue to honor them. And I'm trying to carry on the service that they did. And any day I get down, I think, about my brothers and they just motivate me to do better. Like they didn't give up. They always push right to the very end. And that's what I'm trying to do, continue to serve. I'm doing it a little differently now than I did back then when I was active duty. I had a rifle or that old saying, the pen is mightier than the sword. The rifle was my sword back then. Now through my book, The Asset Mindset, I am taking our SF motto to free from oppression into the civilian world or civilian market, because I believe most people oppress themselves with their own way of thinking. And they forgot about the things they love or the passions they have. They're stuck in a victim mentality or just on the day-to-day -day trying to get through life and pay bills that they've limited themselves in their mindset and their beliefs. So getting back to special forces, they help shape me and motivate me to get out there and continue to serve and help change the world for a better place. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I understand after you got out of the military, you actually took a trip to the Bahamas. And yes, while sir. you were in the Bahamas, you heard a little bit of a commotion going on and decided you wanted to become part of it. What happened next? So yeah, when I'm in the Bahamas, this is right after I get off of active duty. The year before, it was my birthday, and I was actually raiding houses on my birthday, running missions. Well, I'm now out. I'm like, I want to have a great birthday. So I go to the Bahamas, like you said. I'm looking 
for something to do. I hear this music on the beach. I go walk along the beach, find out where the music's coming from, and no other than Kid Rock is there playing music, hanging out with some friends and his son. And I'm like, wow, I, I just got to go up and say thank you to him and for all he does in supporting the troops. And I walk up, I'm like, excuse me, Rock, I want to say thank you for what you do with the USO and supporting the troops. It really means a lot to us when guys like you come over. And he's like, oh, are you in? And I'm like, well, actually, I just got out. Explain the situation, why I was there in the Bahamas. And he's like, well, thank you for your service. And it's your birthday. Let me buy you a drink. So I had a drink in his cabana with him. Then we started talking. He's oh, you want another one? He's thanking me for my service. I'm thanking him for all he does. And we're both just giving each other gratitude for how we're living our lives. And we ended up hitting it off, had dinner together. He bought me my birthday dinner, sang happy birthday to me. It was pretty incredible. At that time, I was blown away. And after the night ended, he's do it again tomorrow. And I was shocked, but it turned into a three-day event. And he's like, do you have anything going on since you got out of the military yet? And I'm like, well, I got a few fishing lines out there, maybe some contracting work or whatnot. And he goes, well, I got to go over to Europe, do some stuff for VH1. When I come back, I'm going to hit you up. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, sure. Kid Rock is some guy he met in the Bahamas that he doesn't know. He's going to get a hold of me and have me. Sure enough, he did. He was a man of his word. And January came around. I got a message to work a show in New Jersey at the Borgata Casino. And I went to the show. After the show, he was, I'm happy if you're happy. The job's yours if you want it. So for the next two years, I did personal security for Kid Rock. And in between doing the security stuff, I did do Department of Defense work as a contractor outside of Fort Bragg and other installations. Yeah, I'm actually a fan of Kid Rock. And one of the things that I love that he does is he knows who his audience base is. And I was supposed to be going to a concert uh, here recently to see Aerosmith. And unfortunately, they've had to postpone that whole tour. But the tickets were going for thousands and thousands of dollars. And you, you just think, are the true fans really getting to see the band that they love? And in the case of Kid Rock, every show I've ever been to, the ticket price is really affordable, like $20, $25. And I understand at some of these events, he's actually losing money, but he wants to make sure that those people who made him famous are able to enjoy his music, which I really admire about him. Yeah, oh, I admire him completely as well. I wouldn't work for him if I didn't. We talked briefly before the show how I moved to Nashville and I was working as a Department of Defense contractor. I was working with MARSOC for the last five and a half years before moving to Nashville, along with working with NSW or Navy SEALs and Green Berets. And he asked me to come back on because we worked together in the past because he's now a resident here in Nashville. And I was not looking to do security work or be a bodyguard again, but the person he is and what he does and service, I see him as an asset mindset teammate and like guys I served with downrange trying to make the world a better place. He's really doing that. He gets a bad rap sometimes from people. People call him racist. His son's half black. His drummer's black. And she's been with them for 20 something years. This isn't something he's just doing to appease. He's always been who he's been. And haters are going to hate. And that's just the way it is. But as far as being an American, caring about people, all types of people, he 100%, I've witnessed it. I've seen him help old ladies. I've seen him help young men. I've seen him help so many different people with just random acts of kindness. And, and I respect him for it. It's part of the relationship and respect we have for each other and why we're friends, not just coworkers or he's my boss type deal. Yeah, there's special people in the world. And I talk about our relationship and how we met in my book as well. And he has a saying, when you find good people, you keep them close. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's why I talk about asset mindset teammates. You need to have good people around you. You don't want people that are anchors and dragging you down. You want someone that's going to lift you up like a balloon. Yeah, I think one of the biggest misperceptions about him is the amount of goodwill and service he does to others. And I know one of his mantras is that you give back and you don't talk about it, 
which I think yeah. is really important because he doesn't try to use those opportunities as a way to make himself look more grandiose. He has always struck me as he's just who he is and you get what. Oh, absolutely. One of the most recent things he did, which didn't get really any publicity, he didn't push it, but he did his uh, foundation comedy tour here in Nashville. And he took half the money and gave it to the Covenant School shooting victims. And then the other half of all the money raised, like he didn't keep any, went to the two helicopter crashes that happened that were based out of Fort Campbell. So those families got the money. And that all happened last year. They made a big deal about him shooting up the Bud Light and how insensitive it was after the school shooting. But they don't talk that he gave tens of thousands of dollars to the school shooting family victims, like directly to the victims' families. It's a one-sided narrative. There's two sides to every coin. Well, thank you for sharing that. And protecting celebrities has got to be a unique job. How has this role influenced your understanding of personal development and, more importantly, the asset mindset that we're going to be talking about? Working with celebrities, I think, has really opened my eyes. Because when you start out in the world or you're coming from just a regular person, average American, you think, oh, celebrities got lucky or, oh, they are greedy, rich people. And it is totally the opposite. Everybody that I've met that's truly successful, they are hardworking. Like he doesn't need to work the way he does anymore. He's still up at 4, 4.30 every morning, spending hours and hours in the studio, making music, doing business deals, talking things. He has enough money. He could just be on vacation permanently for life. Other People that are businessmen or women that I've met that are successful, same deal. They have that work ethic. And they also have the passion to make the world a better place. They are trying to give back. Like Bob likes to give through his music and help people feel better. Yeah, he gives financially too, but his passion is music. Other people have their passions and they're working in the healthcare field or met people that run hospitals that are very wealthy. And to see them give back and giving... They all have this kind of different way of thinking. Thus, I call the asset mindset. That's my term I deemed. But they realize that they can be a great asset. They understand they are their own greatest asset. No one can help them more than they can help themselves. And they need to surround themselves in positive environments with positive people. And in doing so, it's like being on an ODA or an A-team where the good, strong people you surround yourself with help lift you up. And I know if you do a little research or anybody has all oh, your, the five people you hang around with, which all this stuff is true. There's all kinds of documented evidence, but the celebrities I've come across, and as far as understanding personal development, they're always working on themselves. They're never done. They're continuing to have goals and push forward and really do stay connected with their passions. And if they're not connected with the passions, I'll use music, for example, they're like a one-hit wonder. Anybody can get lucky and be a star for a year or two or whatnot. But if you truly don't have the asset mindset philosophy or you don't have that way of thinking, you can't stay on top. Nobody's going to work with a greedy jerk or someone who's selfish or only about themselves. They're not going to do business deals with them. Or if they get robbed or cheated, I don't want to work with that person again. You and I know... In our own lives, who do we like to work with, right? People that help us or lift us up or motivate us and bring that passion out. That's people that stay on top, that become really wealthy and are successful. They have that. And that's something that I'm trying to share and give through my book. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's funny, I had interviewed Scott Jeffrey Miller. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but he's been with Stephen Covey for something like 25 years. And his expertise has recently been these books on mentorship, and he's interviewed seven, 800 of the biggest business titans you can think of. And I asked him, what surprised you the most when you have met all these people? What is the common ingredient to all their success? And he says, it doesn't sound sexy at all, but it's hard work. So I'm glad you emphasize that because I think people think that whoever it is, they become this sensational influencer overnight and they don't realize that it's been a 10 year journey to get to that point to finally getting discovered. And then it's all that foundational work that they have done that then launches them. And what I have seen personally 
is that it's this compounding effect. And what starts out as a small ripple over time becomes a much larger wave and then a tidal wave before it. So it's just really sticking to that hard work. And sometimes the grind can be the grind, but it's, I think, when you go after it in an intentional way and you're going after it in a way where you're trying to manifest the purpose that you have in life, it leads you to such a great place. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things that I talk about too sometimes is there's only a little difference between ordinary and extraordinary. And all that is the little extra before. If you're doing a little extra every day, you and I, we've written books and you can write a book if you do one page a day, only a page. That's in a year, you're going to have a 365 page book. Just do that little extra. It adds up. Time will do the heavy lifting. So you just need to show up. And that's where people, I think, make the big mistake is they put things off or procrastinate. You got to every day do a little something, do that little extra. And that little extra will turn into something extraordinary. Well, Daniel, I wanted to ask. Is there a pivotal moment in your life or career that led to the inception of the asset mindset? That's a great question. I've been asked that several times. I don't think it was necessarily a pivotal moment. I think it was a seed sprouting inside me and I just didn't know what it was and eventually identified it. So if you planted a seed in the ground, you don't know what seed that was. You see the plant start coming up and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to keep watering it and see what this is going to turn into. And then whatever fruit it bears, oh, hey, that's an apple tree or that's an oak tree or, or whatever it may be. That's what happened to me with the asset mindset. I saw things grow and I started to learn when I was a teenager and I was doing martial arts. I already mentioned it briefly, but the I am what I am because I choose to be. That was part of our Dragon Warrior Code. And we would say that and then meditate at the end of every class. And that was so powerful. That was like, wow, I can choose to be what I want. Like I really can choose my career. I can choose where I want to live. I can choose so many different things. And that was a start. So that's maybe breaking through the surface. 9-11, like I spoke to you, was a huge catalyst. Going to the Dominican Republic, working with people that are less fortunate and really connecting with gratitude and understanding how blessed we are. Anyone who's watching this right now or watches this show on a phone or on their computer or they got a smart TV, like you are so blessed from what people have lived with over hundreds of years or just what some people in the world right now, we know what's going on in the world. There's a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of hardship in the world. So be grateful and having gratitude, I think is one of the biggest tools that we can have for overcoming the negative thoughts that we have. And we don't wanna get stuck in a downward spiral of negative thinking. So if you find yourself doing that, get back to gratitude. There's always something to be grateful for. Yeah. My brother was actually a missionary for five or six years in the Dominican Republic with his family. And it's interesting because when people go there, a lot of them see these resorts, but they don't see a mile, two miles in the utter poverty that some people are facing in that country. So you're right. It's we, I think, live in our lives and we see what's apparent in front of us, but we don't often put ourselves in other people's shoes and understand the realities of their situations and how much better off, no matter what our circumstances are, we have it than other people. No, oh, absolutely. You're right on. That. We need to step back and realize how lucky we have it. If there's anything you want to do in life, you can Google it. You can search it. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner, we at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities from scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates. It's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 
93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. Up on the internet, you can look it up on your phone. You want to know anything. You have no excuses really nowadays. If there's something you want to know, you can teach yourself. Before, you maybe had to go find someone who was whatever, a physicist that was an expert and go to certain schools so you could sit down in class with them or find their book or whatnot. Now, everything is at your fingertips. If you want to do something, you can do it. Well, I want to go into the asset mindset some more. And you write in the book that the asset mindset is a philosophy. Can you discuss how being a more powerful, intentional, and creative asset can lead to more success in our lives? Oh, it's incredible. So yes, absolutely, I will do that. I'm going to break it down into three main points. So the asset mindset philosophy is focusing and looking at everything in your life as an asset or making it an asset so it can help you in your life. So number one is you need to realize you are your greatest asset. Nobody can do more for you in your life than yourself. Nobody can get you up early. Nobody can make you eat healthy. Nobody can make you study or read. You are your greatest asset with that. You need to own your power, take ownership of your life. And I'm going to step to the side here a little bit on ownership, because I think this is something people hear, but they don't really hear or listen to ownership. So if you have a pet or an animal, you take care of that animal. You need to feed it, water it, take it outside so it can go to the bathroom. You need to groom it. You need to, Every day, you got to feed and water it and let it out. Are you working your passions every day? Are you really owning your passions, because that's what you need to do with your goals and your life is you need to own it daily, just like you would a pet. So I think ownership goes in one ear and out the other for a lot of people, but that's what ownership is. And I want you to think about that. You, your viewers, everyone, are you really taking ownership? Are you doing things daily to own your goal or your dream or the task that you're trying to accomplish to become successful? But getting back now to point number two, is you want to surround yourself with positive assets and people in a positive environment. You don't want to be hanging out at the club or the bar every day after work or drinking with people that are just whining and complaining. You need to join clubs. You need to become a part of communities that are doing positive things that you want to do. If you want to be a speaker, maybe join Toastmasters. Or there's things you can do as far as you want to play a musical instrument. Go somewhere where people are playing, start jamming out with people. So that's the second key point that you need to put yourself with positive people that are going to be assets to your goals and dreams and help you in positive environments. And then the third point is really simple, where now you need to be that positive person for others. If you start giving to others, you'll be amazed. That old saying, the more you give, the more you receive is absolutely true. And I've seen it countless times in examples. I even mentioned examples in my book on how this worked. Got a quick story. One of my teammates was having a baby with his wife. And I went to visit, give some gifts and some money to help out and outfits and diapers. And I went there with every intention to give. And I did. Well, he had an extra scope for a rifle that he wasn't using because he got a new one. And he ended up giving me the scope. I tried to buy it off him. And he's like, no, just take it, take it. It was over a thousand dollars scope. I went there with the intention to give, not expecting anything. And I received a gift that was over a thousand dollars. Like, and that's just one example. There's so much out there. And if you do that third point with the first two, your life absolutely will improve. I can guarantee that. How much it will improve? That I don't don't know. And that's for you to determine through your hard work and showing up every day. It will absolutely change your life, the asset mindset philosophy. Just do those three things and wait a week or month and see how things change. I love the first point you brought up because I have a good friend named Lisa 
And Lisa always makes this statement, and I think it's something that we often forget. And she loves to say, I am the greatest person that I will ever know. And I think too few of us think that way, that we have been put here for a specific reason, that we are the only person that can fulfill that mission, and we matter. And in that mattering, we become the most unique, special, capable person because we all have the capability within us to become that if we put our minds to it and, to your point, become an elite-level asset. From your standpoint, what do you think is the key to making your mind your greatest asset? Awareness. You need to take time and have awareness. You need to find your passion. You need to see what your goals are. You hear it all the time. What's your why? Why do you get up in the morning? I can use an example too. Think about when you were a kid and it was your birthday, how easy it was to get up. Or even older now, you're an adult and you're going to go on vacation. It's your vacation week. You're going to take a trip. You have no problem getting up at 3.30, 4 in the morning to catch a flight, to be on the beach or wherever you want to go because you have passion, you have excitement. That's your, your why. You have a purpose. I think people forget about their purpose and they just get stuck. And you need to step back, give yourself some time, go for a walk in nature, meditate, pray, whatever you do to connect and get grounded and centered. That's what you need to do to get your why. And if you do that and you figure out what your purpose is, it's going to change your life. And that's the hardest thing for people is doing that. What am I going to do to get motivated again in life? And you can do it. And you just start showing up and working towards that passion. Give yourself that time, that attention, and you will change your life. And everybody can do it. That's one of the things I try and tell people all the time on interviews, when I speak. To be special forces, you have to have the asset mindset or you won't make it. But you do not have to be special forces to have the asset mindset. You can think like a special forces elite soldier and not be one. It's totally possible. And that's what a lot of successful people are doing all around the world. Yeah, I think a great example of that is I was recently chatting with a friend of mine, Admiral Kerry Metz, and he was a SEAL. And it's interesting because we were talking about another mutual friend and he said, well, he was an athletic SEAL. I was never an athletic SEAL. And I asked him to go into that a little bit more. And he said, well, most people think that these special operators have all these unique physical skills. And he goes, I was never one of those people who possessed it. For me, every single thing I did physically was a challenge. Whereas for some, it became so easy. But he said for him, he was mentally strong and that desire to become a SEAL, to do the best he could, he used that mental ability to shape and give himself the purpose that he could overcome any of the physical challenges that were put in front of him. And at the end of the day, he might not have been the fastest runner. He might not have been able to do the most push-ups, but that's really is not what really matters. It's being a good teammate, being able to hold your own load, but more importantly, I'd much rather have a person who's got the right mindset if I have to be in a foxhole with them and someone who's got more physical prowess with me. I'm not sure what, what you think about those lines of thought. That is absolutely 100% right. Heart is one of the most important things. And I talk about it in my book in the transformation from civilian to special forces soldier. And I talk about there's a gentleman that exactly like your friend was talking about. He was a stud. He could do all the push-ups, run super fast. He got a perfect score on the PT test, on the physical fitness test. And he ended up going through the Q course with me or selection, SFAS. And I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to make it. And you looked at him. He was like you pulled him off the movie screen to play the perfect Green Beret. He ended up quitting because he didn't have the heart or that mental fortitude because he was always able to run easily. He was always able to do all the push-ups, max all the physical stuff. He was a superstar. But when they don't feed you right, you're not getting sleep. You're always used to being the all-star. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to be that way when you're not sleeping properly. You're not being nourished properly. You're cold. You've been out in the woods for a long time. Bugs are biting you. You have to have the heart or the mental toughness or the mindset 
to push through the obstacles. And that's where a lot of people don't make it is you can have all the physical capabilities, but what is more important than anything else is your mindset and the passion you have in there. Guys that I saw come in, oh, I'm going to try and be special forces. If you're trying, you're not going to make it. If you come in there and like, I'm doing this or it's going to kill me. Yeah, the odds are you'll probably make it because you're not going to quit because you're willing to go up to the point of dying. I've seen people fall off a 30-foot tower, land on the ground, be bleeding from the ears, and was still going on the course. And they had to physically stop him and tell him, hey, no, you need to get checked out. He's, I'm not quitting. And they're like, no, we get it. You're not quitting, but you need to go get medical treatment and be checked out. And he ended up having a concussion and different things, and he had to recycle. But that's that mentality. It's I'm doing this and I'm hard charging and I'm going to go. And everybody can do that. That's where people have the doubt like, oh, I can't. And that's where you need to change your way of thinking from the I can't mentality to how do I? And anybody in special forces, I don't care which team unit you're with or whatnot. They always have that. All right. How do we do this? Or how do I do this? It's not, oh, I can't do that. Because if we had the I can't mentality, we would never get anywhere. And we wouldn't do probably half the missions we do because the odds are against us a lot of times. And you're going to figure out how to mitigate them as much as possible. But people can do it. Change your thinking. Get away from the I can't. Or if you're making excuses, you please figure out a way to change your mindset. Read. Meditate. Pick up good books. Start following, listening to podcasts that are going to lift you up. And realize that you can do it. I think Mike Lindell is a great story. His book and what he talks about from crackhead to CEO. There's people in all walks of life that have come from the bottom and able to rise to the top with just changing their mindset and working hard. And all your listeners out there can do it too. Find that passion and just make it happen. You can do it. It's not going to happen overnight. But just like I talked about that 365-page book, it adds up. Every day, do a little something, and you will be shocked. Because as we all know, as we get older, time flies. <laughs> like, it'll add up quick. Yeah, it is interesting. Over my own career, I've had to reinvent myself multiple times. And the one great thing about being at the bottom is that you get to build yourself back up brick by brick, and it's a new opportunity to turn into a different you. And we all have the ability to have, because we have brain plasticity to change who we are, to evolve and to make different choices. And that is something I really wanted to go into with you because on this show, one of the main things that I like to talk about is the power of our daily choices. And I know it's something that's a core aspect when I read the book. Why do you believe that it's our daily micro choices that hold the key to achieving success and anything that we want to do. It's the same reason why water can cut through rock persistence. It's that simple. You can just do little things and they add up, keep going. And your habits, those things is what creates you. And I want you to think of your mindset is not just what you think. It's what you do. It's how you act. It's who you are around. It's what you put your energy into. If you're goofing off and younger generations just playing video games all the time, or you're just sitting in front of the TV watching movies all the time, that's not really going to help you with your goals. Unless you're, or you are a computer programmer making video games or you're in the movie industry. But if you are doing things that aren't helping you get to where you want to be, then your habits, those bad ones, you got to get rid of it. Stop. How many hours do people spend sometimes on social media, scrolling on Instagram, Facebook, things like that? If you put that amount of time into maybe reading or learning about some new goal or new habit you wanted, or just think about if someone you watch an hour's worth of TV every day, if you took that hour away from TV and you spent it in the gym, how much healthier would your body be? How much better would you feel? If you just took one hour away from that habit and shifted it to a positive habit, those are the little things and choices. And it doesn't even have to be an hour. 15, 20 minutes can change your life. I heard what was it recently in some of my own research, because I'm still working 
on this too. I'm still a student. I'm not a master. I'm somebody who's learned a few things, but there's the power of 100. And I forget who I heard it from. So whoever it was, I apologize. I'm not giving you credit, but it's, if you put a hundred hours in to something, you start to become one of the top or elite. So if you did 18 minutes a day, every day, for however many days to get to 100 minutes, whether it be learning martial arts, whether it be going to the gym or whatnot, you are going to be in the top tier of people in the world. Because that studying and that effort and that discipline to do that for each day will make you in the, the top percentage of people in the world. If you study jujitsu for 18 minutes a day for however many days to get to 100 hours, most people don't know that much jujitsu. You might not be a jujitsu master, but you will be, compared to the average person, you will be head and shoulders above them. And so whatever it is you want to achieve, take something small like that. Those little habits, and the habit is important. Discipline is the glue that holds that together, though. You need to do it regularly. If you're not doing it regularly, then it's not going to help you. It's like a New Year's resolution. People, oh, I'm going to do this, and they do it for a couple of weeks or here and there. No, you need to stay with it. One of my good buddies who's uh, retiring now from Special Forces after 20-something years, he's in my book, I talk about Brian, and he says, you got to show up. you got to show up. And some days, if you're not up for it, you just got to force yourself. And maybe you can't do the hour workout. Maybe you just do 15, 20 minutes, but show up. Get there, do something. And if you do something, you will change your life. I totally agree with what you're saying there. And it is such an important thing, showing up in your own life. And sometimes it's so easy. Like this morning, I was woken up four or five times during the middle of the night by my alarm going off because we had tornado warnings. And I got up at five o'clock like I normally do. Felt like crap, but I had it set in my mind that I needed to go to the gym. Knew it wasn't going to be my best workout, but I think it's not oftentimes in life that we experience the best things, but it's battling through however you feel and holding yourself accountable that you're going to do something that then motivates you to do it and have that intrinsic desire to continue to improve. And it's those little things that I think often a person would say that alarm go off at five o'clock and say, well, I'm going to skip the gym and instead I'm going to stay in bed for another hour and a half. And for me, I have always been the one who, if I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it. And it's interesting because people ask me all the time, like, how have you been so successful at podcasting? And a lot of people get into it. And the first thing they do is they want to outsource everything to a producer or someone on their team, whatever it may be. And I tell them it's because I've done every single thing that there is possibly to do about a podcast. And I do it all the time because with repetition, you get better. Every time I have to edit one of these, I catch myself making mistakes. And after you've done that hundreds and hundreds of times, I guarantee you, you're going to stop saying things like, et cetera, because you get better. Uh, you get better at interviewing. And the same with podcasting is the same to anything you want to do in life. Absolutely. Totally, 100%. And I want to talk a little bit about where you're saying showing up or doing things. Whoever you are, and if you're feeling that moment in time, like you talked about this morning, not wanting to get out of bed, understand those little moments, that's where you make the most bang for your buck. Because that is when you're tired, that's when the average person quits. Or, oh, I don't want to do this. Realize that's your opportunity. That's the moment in time that's going to set you apart from everybody else. Because other people are going to be like, oh, I had a rough day today, or I didn't sleep well, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip today, or I'm tired, or I don't feel so good. That is when you have the chance to grow. That is when you are going to get the most from whatever it is you're doing, because that's where other people stop. And that's where you get to go from ordinary to extraordinary, like we spoke about earlier. And another thing as far as showing up, people get all excited for their favorite sports team. They get face painted. They tailgate. They put all this effort into a game and Sunday or whatnot. Imagine if you put that same type of effort into one of your goals. 
if you spent, all right, I'm going to get this for that. I'm going to get this book. I'm going to read. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to journal. And if you put that same amount of effort into maybe a favorite sports team into your own life, become your own fan. Start cheering for yourself. Put the, the effort into your goals and dreams. I'm not saying stop being a fan and stop watching sports, but I think anybody that hears me right now can relate and be like, wow, yeah, look what some of those fans do and all the effort and energy they put into that. And they're really not getting anything from it other than a little joy. But if you put that same type of motivation into your goals and enthusiasm into your goals, that's game changing. No pun intended with the word game. <laughs> well, I wanted to comment on a couple of things there. So first thing is you touched on self-awareness and in chapter, I think it's 11 of Daniel's book, he goes into the characteristics of the asset mindset and self-awareness is one of the most important things that he highlights. So I wanted to bring that up. And then I wanted to go and jump to another thing. And I think this is chapter three. I have a concept in my upcoming book called the Mosquito Auditor, and I picked this because I was thinking about the mosquito and there are these pesky things that are around you, like environments like you were talking about or choices we make to do put our focus on a sports team instead of achieving our goals or people in our lives who hold us back. But oftentimes these things like a mosquito just linger. They're unseen until they start striking us and we have the ramifications that come from them. I wanted to ask you what happens in human behavior where the people, environment, and influences that are around us sabotage our hopes and aspirations. And how do you reverse this? That's a great question. And it's a great point to discuss. So I'm going to summarize it using my paratrooper experience. If I jump out of a plane and my chute is bad, I'm not going to waste time, keep trying to fix it, kind of trying to fix it, trying to fix it, because I only have so much time until I hit the ground. You only have so much life. Stop wasting time with something that's broken or being in an environment that's bad. You need to cut away and deploy your reserve or deploy a new shoe. That's what you need to do. You can't stay there and be stuck. I also talk about crab mentality, where you put a crab in a bucket, that one crab can climb out on its own. It has the ability to do that. You put a couple crabs in the bucket or two crabs, they pull each other down. The other one starts climbing. I'm up and then the other one grabs and pulls it down. So if you're in an environment that has people pulling you down or is going to have you crash and burn in life, like you burn into the ground, it's hard, especially when sometimes it's people that have been in your life a long time or it's been a family member. And maybe you don't cut away 100%, but you absolutely distance yourself or you set boundaries where, hey, if we're going to be together, I don't want to hear complaining. I don't want this victim mentality. Like we're going to get together and we're going to do something positive. We'll go for a hike. And we're not going to sit over a bottle of wine or drink a beer and complain about every little thing in the world and how my bills are crushing me or this or that. No, you need to, that's the stuff you need to cut away from. And you need to get back to positive people and positive things. And those changes will change your life 100%. Okay. And then Daniel, I wanted to end on this. I just happened to be back attending my Naval Academy reunion, which brought up tons of memories about the power of teamwork that I learned when I was in my teens and early twenties and went further as I got into the military. This is something that you cover in chapter seven. And it's ironic because I graduated in 93 and this is on page 93 of your book, which I loved. How can being on a team or the peers we have around us literally be the key to our survival and success? It's force multipliers. They have experiences. We're all blessed with different knowledge, different nuggets in our life, different skills. So they can absolutely help you or teach you or show you the way where you're trying to go. I'll speak from personal experiences. I was self-published with my book. And I had a hard copy and paperback, but I didn't have an audiobook. And I had a friend of mine like giving me a hard time. Why don't you have an audiobook yet? I'm like, well, studio time was expensive, editing, engineer, the software, all this. Like, I'm self-published. I don't know how well this book's gonna do. I've already invested thousands into creating the book and paying for a copy editor and getting it out there. 
I'm waiting and seeing. Well, your friends or people around you can help. Depends as we've already discussed. I know Kid Rock. Kid Rock has a studio. He gave me a hard time. And we got a studio right here. Use it after work. So I recorded my audio book in Kid Rock studio. He just let me use it. I was going to, when I researched, it was going to cost me $10,000, $12,000 in just studio time for recording and having an engineer and all that. I got to do it after work. He gave me a 20-minute, 30-minute crash course on how to record in the studio, how to edit, how to use everything, turn it on, log in, where to save, how to run different tracks. And I took notes, I learned, and then I recorded it myself. That's why if you get my audio book, you'll hear me and my voice because I did it. I only could do that because of a friend and because of a teammate, an asset mindset teammate that helped me. You want to talk about other stuff, whether it's physical. If you have someone that's a doctor, that you know, or a nutritionist, they can help you. So a smart person knows they don't know everything. So when you put people in your life and when you find good people and keep them close, they will help you. They are a great asset. And that's part of having the asset mindset philosophy is bringing in positive people and teammates that can fill gaps or voids that you have in your life. And you in turn should be filling their gaps apps and voids as well with your expertise. Okay. And then Daniel, one thing I always like to give is the audience a takeaway. Can you give them one or two actionable takeaways that they can expect from developing an asset mindset and how they can go about implementing them today in their lives? I think the first thing I want to tell you and your audience, if you're going to have the asset mindset philosophy, you need to give some credit to yourself and time to yourself. Focus on you. Start there. And then I want you to write down three goals, three things that you want to do. I don't care short term, long term or whatever, but I want you to write down three goals. And then before you go to bed each night, I want you to pick one thing for each one of those goals and write it down. We all think of things before we go to bed in our mind, then we wake up and we're like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. Or I got to brush my teeth, get in the shower, go get that goal there so you can remind yourself and just find the one thing each day to support those three goals, whatever it is, whether it's health, career, job, finances, it doesn't matter. But every day before you go to bed, Write down one thing that next day when you get up, you're going to find time that day to do. And it's a lot easier than you think to do one thing a day. And if you start crushing it with that, move it up to two, three, four, five. Grow your list as you see fit. But at least every day, do one thing that's going to go towards one of your goals. Okay. And then lastly, Daniel, what is the best place for a listener to learn more about you? I would say the best place to go is the assetmindset.com or you can follow me on Instagram at the asset mindset, Daniel Fielding, Facebook out there. And if anybody wants to reach out, you can DM me, you can email me through those sites. You can also check out my book anywhere on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can actually go to Simon and Schuster's gallery books all over the place and read the reviews because no matter what your age is, you're going to see that it's helping and changing people's lives more than I ever thought it would, because the truth is the truth. And the truth is, if you have and live with the asset mindset philosophy, you're going to change your life for the better. Well, great. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor to have you on the program. I encourage the audience to pick up your great book. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it, John. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I thoroughly enjoyed that interview with Daniel Fielding, and I wanted to thank Daniel and Simon and Schuster for the honor and privilege of having him appear on today's show. Links to all things Daniel will be in the show notes at passionstruck.com. Please use our website links if you purchase any of the books from the guests that we feature here on the show. All proceeds go to supporting the show. Videos are on YouTube both on our main channel at John R. Miles and on our Clips channel at Passion Struck Clips. Advertiser deals and discount codes are in one convenient place at passionstruck.com deals. Please consider supporting those who support the show. You can 
sign up for my personal newsletter at passionstruck.com. You can find me on any of the social platforms at John R. Miles, or you can sign up for our work-related newsletter on LinkedIn. You're about to hear a preview of the Passion Struck podcast interview that I did with Dr. Anthony Yoon, a plastic surgeon, author, and social media influencer with more than 15 million followers. Dr. Yoon is the author of the brand new book, Younger for Life, a complete guide to turning back the clock holistically using a process called autojuvenation. In our discussion, Dr. Yoon and I explore how virtually anyone can see great changes in their skin, energy, and how they feel using the power of their own body's regenerative abilities. The question that I've always wondered and something that I was looking into when I was writing this book is, does looking younger make you live longer? And the answer actually is, it appears to be so. There was actually a study from Denmark where they looked at something like 1,100 people and they're all identical twins. So genetically, they were identical. And they found that the younger looking of the identical twin tended to live longer than the older looking one. But we don't know if that's causation or correlation. Is it that the person looked younger because they had a better lifestyle? Maybe they had healthier habits? Or is it actually the fact that looking younger seems to help you live longer? I don't know. And it probably is a combination of both. Remember that we rise by lifting others. So share this show with those that you love. And if you found today's episode with Daniel Fielding useful, then definitely share it with someone who could use the advice that we gave today. In the meantime, do your best to apply what you hear on the show so that you can live what you listen. Until next time, go out there and become passion struck.